Amen. Amen. I'm glad we got that. Amen. The title is Broken Down Along the Road. This morning I went out my property and took a picture of a road at sunrise this morning. Have you ever been broken down along a road before? I've had a few experiences that you're just so helpless and you're frustrated and your vehicle is broken down along the road. Well, there is a stretch of road between Gethsemane and Golgotha. And that stretch of road is called the Calvary Road. And I want to tell you, you're going to be broken down if you get on this road. It is a dirt road, let me tell you. Because on the Calvary Road, you realize that you were created from dirt. This is a dirt road. There's no pavement on this road. If you're going to take the Calvary Road, you're going to get dusty. It's a dirty road. It's a bumpy road. Ooh. Man, there's a lot of bumps on the Calvary Road. I mean, you get shaken around. You get moved around on the Calvary Road. If you decide today to get on the Calvary Road, it's a lonely road. It's a very lonely road. You'll be the only one that travels on it with God. The Calvary Road is a lonely road. The Calvary Road's a back road. It's not a main highway. It's a narrow road. Very few are on it. And the Calvary Road leads to a dead end. The Calvary Road leads to the cross. It's a dead end. So if you're going to take the Calvary Road, it doesn't sound like a good road, huh? It's dirty, it's bumpy, it's lonely, it's a back road, it's narrow, and it leads to a dead end. But I will tell you this. It is the Calvary Road that our Savior went down. It is the Calvary Road that we remember today on Good Friday. And it is a street of suffering. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10 says, That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. You cannot really know intimacy with Christ without going down the Calvary Road. You will never know the fellowship that you desire in your walk with God until you go down the Calvary Road. I have just three points today, but they're long points. Number one, if the Son of God had to surrender His will to the Father, how much more do we need to? If the Son of God had to surrender His will to the Father, how much more do we need to do the same? So, let me tell you about the Calvary Road. You get broken down on the on-ramp of surrender. <laughs> you don't even get on the road until you go on the on-ramp of surrender. You don't even get, you'll never even experience the dirt road, the bumpy road. You will never be on the Calvary Road until you come on the on-ramp of surrender. And it is there on that on-ramp of surrender that God begins to work. Now, I want you to look at something, if you would. 
Look at your verse 41. And he was withdrawn uh, from them, about a stone's cast. And he kneeled down and prayed. Now we know that he prayed this from the other accounts three times. He prayed the same thing. What does that tell you? Does that not see the anguish in this? College students, this is a tough prayer, but you will never be on the Calvary Road without it. Father, if thou be willing, the other gospels, if it be possible, remove this cup from me. I don't know theologically or devotionally for sure what that cup is. I don't know if it means the whole death, if it means the whole suffering. I have an idea though, that this cup, could I redeem mankind and not be separated from you? Is there a way for me to be scourged if the, if, the, if the beard's got to be plucked, I'm okay with it. If the crown of thorns has got to come in, I'm okay. But is it possible that I could redeem mankind and you not turn your back from me? Is it possible that there would be not a separation of your presence with me? I think that's the cup. Because I think more than the physical agony and the emotional agony of Christ on the cross is the spiritual agony. And I will tell you, there is a reason why darkness comes upon that cross at 3 p.m. There is no human being as long as we live in eternity that will completely understand that moment. Eli! Eli! Mama, Sabachthani, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? There's no other way. Shetler said things, Shetler thought things, and Shetler's done things that unless Christ makes the payment for, I gotta separate from you, my son. It is the only way Jim's going to heaven. Wow. And my friend, I'll tell you, your sin nailed him there too. And he did that. And he was separated from God the Father. He had to take the cup that I and you deserved. He surrendered his will. He surrendered his will in that garden. You say, Brother Shelley, are you telling me that that's the first time Jesus surrendered his will in his 33 and a half? You know, 12-year-old boy, I must be about my father's business. He was a surrendered vessel, but I'm telling you, there is a degree of surrender that happens in Gethsemane. Now, you hear me, college students, because some of you truly meant it. You surrendered your life as a 13-year-old at camp. You can remember a youth conference at 15 where you surrendered. Two thumbs up. You meant it. It wasn't a fake decision. You're in this room right now probably because of it. You know, it was legit. 
And Christ would have surrendered his will throughout his 33 and a half years. But that night in Gethsemane, this wasn't a... So I got a lemon with me. You know what Gethsemane means? It means oil press. And I have a lemon with me right now, and I'm going to squeeze this lemon. And look, I squeeze the lemon, and lemon juice comes out of it. Jesus didn't pray in a lemon grove. Some of you get squeezed a little bit. Some of you get a little stress and a little pressure on you and you go, oh man, Lord, I understand what it means to surrender. I'm really getting squeezed right now. Jesus didn't pray in a lemon grove. Jesus prayed in an olive grove. So now let's see what we can do here. A little bit there. This isn't working like it did with the lemon. It's just not coming out. You know why? Because olives have to be smashed. Olives have to be under a stone and they have to be, they have to be mashed. Jesus didn't pray in the lemon grove. He prayed in an olive grove at the oil press. Because my friend, Jesus' will was smashed that night in Gethsemane. God, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But if not, God, Father, Abba, it says in the Gospel of Mark, Abba, thy will be done. And I'm going to tell you. Some of you have been here for four years, seniors. And you still have not surrendered that will to God. You still, you've been squeezed. And a little bit of lemon juice has come out. And actually, it is interesting. You've been a little bitter by the squeezing. But we're not talking about lemons, guys. We're talking about an olive press. And to say, God, my will is smashed. Because that's not what's happening in some rooms on this campus. Some of you need to smash your will and go back and say, hey, forgive me. I want to ask you to forgive me for my attitude and my spirit. Some of you, your wills have not been smashed at all. And you are full of yourself. And a little bit of squeezing really gets you upset. Well, I'll tell you, if you're going on the Calvary Road, you can take your little highway that you want to take in life, but if you're going to go the Calvary Road like Christ did, you're going to have to surrender like Christ did. Father, not my will, but thy will be done. I want you to see the second thing down this road. If the Son of God had to surrender his will to the Father, how much more do we need to? Number two, if the Son of God had to sacrifice his body, how much more should we sacrifice for his glory? If the Son of God had to sacrifice his body, how much more 
Should we sacrifice for his glory? Would you turn with me now to John chapter 19? John chapter 19. You get broken down on the Calvary Road at the on-ramp of surrender, but then you get broken down on the shoulder of pain. And you have to pull over because it's going to be painful. There is no way that you're going to travel the Calvary Road and it not be painful, my friend. John chapter 19. Listen to verse 1. Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and he scourged him. And the soldiers plaited a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put on him a purple robe and said, Hail, King of the Jews! And they smote him with their hands. Pilate therefore went forth again and saith unto them, Hey, hey, come on, behold, I bring him forth to you. I've scourged him, I've beaten him. Come on, you religious Jews, look at him. He's just a messed up piece of flesh that ye may know that I find no fault in him. Then came Jesus forth. What a bloody mess. And I'm going to tell you, no Hollywood movie will ever be able to take the place of your imagination of what this piece of flesh looked like at that moment. Then came Jesus forth wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate saith unto them, Behold the man. When the chief priests, therefore, and the officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate saith unto them, Take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. Hey, I want to tell you something. If you're going to go down the Calvary Road, you're going to have to break down on the shoulder of pain. Now, we just don't talk about suffering. And anything that we talk about suffering, we try to get out of it. So I want everyone, actually, if you've turned to any passage of Scripture, would you do this for me? Would you turn to 1 Peter? I think that we do not realize how important suffering is down the Calvary Road. I'm going to start in 1 Peter chapter number 2. And I want you to listen and follow along in the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 20 and 21. For what glory is it if when ye be buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently? Come on, you're the one that did it. But if and when ye do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. For even here too were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Look over to 1 Peter chapter 3 for a moment. Look at verse 14. But, and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. Hey, listen. If ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye. Look at 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, and that's the whole point here, if the Son of God had to sacrifice his body, how much more should we sacrifice for his glory? 
Beloved, think it not strange, for as much as then Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Isn't that interesting? That he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. And look at 1 Peter chapter 4, 12 and 14. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. As though some strange thing happened unto you. Come on, if you're on the Calvary Road, this is, this is the, the normal landscape. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings. That when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the spirit of, glo of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil, spoken of. But on your part he is glorified. Look at 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 19. Wherefore let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. Hey, let's finish it in 1 Peter chapter 5, 10 and 11. But the God of all grace, who has called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have been on the Calvary road for a while, after that ye have suffered a while, Make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. If the Son of God had to sacrifice his body, how much more should we sacrifice for his glory? Sacrifice what you love for who you say you love. Sacrifice what is temporal for that which is eternal. College student, do not waste your life on that which is temporal. Sacrifice. Sacrifice your possessions for his presence. Sacrifice your dreams for his desires. Sacrifice your rights for his reign. Sacrifice your plans for his purpose. College student, if Jesus Christ sacrificed his body on that cross for you, should we not be willing to sacrifice for his glory? You will never experience the Calvary road. Guys, it's a dirt road. It's a bumpy road. It's a lonely road. And it is a street of suffering. And it is a dead end. It is the end of yourself at the cross. I have one more point. If the Son of God had to die for our sins, how much more should we die to ourselves? I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth for me. In the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Seven statements on that cross. Jesus died on that cross. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment 
and cast lots. And Jesus said unto that malefactor, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Sometime during the midst of the suffering, Jesus looked down at John and his mother. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scriptures might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. By the way, nobody took Jesus' life. Jesus gave up his life. Into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. Now that's very important. Jesus died of his gift. He died. Now listen. Now we need to die to ourselves. We need to decide, I am going to die to myself. There is a camp here in California called Ironwood and they have a lot of livestock. They have cattle, they have horses. And on their livestock, they have a broken eye. In their souvenir store, I was speaking at a men's conference there, I, I saw one of these wood pieces and I was looking at it and I said, oh, it's an eye. And Walt Brock came over and he said, hey Jim, let me show you something. And I, you know, I had it, I didn't think, and he said like this, he says, that's our, that's our symbol, that's our branding symbol, a broken eye. And I said, oh, that's really cool. And he said, you know, no one will ever do anything for Christ until they go from this to this. College student, I want to tell you something. You've been here a long time, but it's been this. If you want to get on the Calvary Road, we celebrate today, we remember today the Calvary Road, the Via Della Rosa that Jesus went on today. But when are you going to get on it? And go from this to this. College students, I want to encourage you. Now, I know I've made the Calvary Road look pretty bad. And I'm telling you, those were tough hours for our Lord. From Gethsemane to Golgotha. But look at what has been accomplished because of it. And college students, I just want to share this with you. Do you really love God? And do you really want this walk and relationship with God? Can two walk together unless they be agreed? The only way for you to experience what I believe is inside of your spirit and soul is to get on the Calvary Road. It's the only way. 
you're going to have to go on the on-ramp of surrender. And you're going to have to not just be squeezed. You're going to need to say, dear God, my will is smashed. Let the oil of the Holy Spirit come upon me. God, I am tired of my self-life. And you need to die to self. And you need to say, dear God, today, I'm remembering what Christ did on that Calvary road today, but I want to join him. Last year's journal, I, uh, part of my devotions, I read a little book called The Calvary Road by Roy Hessian. And in my journal, I wrote a couple thoughts down. I begin this revival by seeing myself as a valley of dry bones, dead bones, with no possibility of life within me. Brokenness starts the process of Jesus being poured into my heart. It is a saying, not I, but Christ. Brokenness has been painful for me, especially during COVID. It's been humbling. But his conviction of an area to change or for me to surrender... This happens throughout the day several times. Will I obey? Revival comes to my heart when I say yes at that moment about anything the Holy Spirit gives me orders for. The Holy Spirit will show one thing to me. If, if brokenness and obedience is given at that very moment, Jim, you, I then experience peace. And the Holy Spirit's power ensues afterwards. Our depravity is summed up in one verse. We've turned everyone to his own way. You've gone every way but the Calvary way. Light is wherever, whenever we are, re, re, we, ah, whenever we are reproved for going the wrong way. Now listen to that statement. Light is given whenever we are reproved for going the wrong way. Jim, don't hide from the light. The Holy Spirit reveals it in your life. Rejoice that God showed you that weakness. If I reject that light at that moment, I go into darkness. Fellowship with him is in the willingness to be exposed and respond to the light that you show me. Jim, always be open and thankful for the conviction and the guilt from him and the word of God. Don't run and hide, Jim, from it. The result of all this sensitivity to sin and the result of responding to the Holy Spirit in brokenness is joy. It's worth it. Walking in the light is not guilt-ridden. It is joyful bliss. The dove does not rest on something that's moving and fighting. The dove only rests on one who is dead. The dove comes on. Dear God, this is what I desire. Do you today?